Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello there and welcome to this very special episode of the Square Ball Podcast. I'm Dan Moylan. With me is Michael Normanton. Hello. And we are here to talk about Jungle Land, the movie that is out in the UK on the 30th of November to download and keep. On this chat, we are going to be talking to the director and co-writer, Max Winkler, and one of the stars, Jessica Barden. It also stars Charlie Hunnam and Jack O'Connell, so all three of the lead actors are British. And it may seem strange that we're doing a podcast about film and it's not about Leeds United, but actually it is about Leeds United in a roundabout way, as you're about to find out, which which kind of leads us into the weirdness of how this came about. Yeah, I had an email from a, a press man at Paramount Studios, which kind of came through as in the same mailbox as we get people who've got missing mags and can't get their emails to work from stuff that were from us. Um, and I just saw it there and I was like, oh. And he, was, and he was asking how to get a guest on the podcast. And you think, well, I'm sure Paramount Studios have probably got bigger fish to fry. Has he, has he got the wrong podcast? Does he, does he think... Is this, is this a spoof? Is it fishing? Yeah, is there something... Does he think we're somehow bigger than we are, or is there something that sounds like us that he's got <laughs> that he's got in touch with by accident? But um, so I got back to him and said, "Yeah, um, well, just speak to me if you want. Um, who, who do you want? It's just, we don't often get emails from Hollywood." Uh, and he went on to explain that Max um, and Jessica are both big Leeds fans and wanted to come on. And and then there was still a bit of me thinking, "Really? Is this <laughs> is this genuinely happening, or is this like a, a thing again where it's just like, oh, we'll, we'll squeeze you in, we'll." kind of pass you off as Leeds fans and we'll get you a bit of um, press out of this. But no, they are both genuinely proper Leeds fans. And it was great fun as well. We spoke to them a, a couple of days ago and uh, with these things, you sort of get allocated, what, about 20 minutes we were allocated. And as it turned out, we ended up chatting for the, for the best part of uh, of 40 minutes because it was a real good laugh. And I hope you enjoy this, our chat with Max Winkler and Jessica Barden. Welcome to the director and co-writer of Jungle Land, Max Winkler, and one of its stars, Jessica Barden. Hello, welcome. Hi. Nice to be here. So the movie is out in the UK on November the 30th to rent and download to keep. So congratulations on the movie, first of all. It's absolutely great. Thank you. Thank you. And it's a drama. We've got two brothers trying to drag themselves out of their existence. They're they're trying to get across the country to a a bare-knuckle boxing tournament to win money, settle debts. But Sky, that's your character, Jess, is thrust upon them and, and your presence kind of quietly knocks knocks them off balance it upsets this balance that they're just about sort of keeping the whole thing together so let's go in on springsteen because it shares the same name does the film as a springsteen song uh, the title jungle land is the song that closes born to run he's on the soundtrack 
the whole thing, I think, to both me and Michael, we were saying it feels like a love letter to Springsteen and his music. Yeah. I mean, he I think he's one of the great writers of the American e experience, you know, and one of the great writers of just like people. That whole type of person universally as well. Though. Yeah. Just anyone who's sort of, uh, you know, struggling to to fulfill some kind of dream where the odds are against them. And I, I grew up sort of a lifelong um, Springsteen fan, you know, I think. And I spent a lot of time uh, in New Jersey with uh, family as a kid. New Jersey is kind of the leads of of America in a way. And um, <laughs> I have a real soft spot for it. And um, getting spring, getting the song in the movie from Springsteen was a, was like a true kind of coup of my life and, and sending the movie to, to Bruce and, and the manager has, has been uh, deeply uh, exciting for us. He adds a nice bit of gravitas to Springsteen to it. Cause at the end when he's the way he sings the words, you kind of, you feel like you, you have to agree with him. Yeah, I, it's amazing because we weren't going to, we couldn't afford the song. And I was going through every single avenue possible to try and get the song. And we were two weeks away from our premiere at the Toronto Film Festival. And I hadn't had the heart yet to tell Charlie um, that we weren't going to get the song. And Charlie, just an ADR, he'd kind of seen um, the end of the movie um, for the first time. And he sent me a video Crying. crying, singing that song. And he looked, he looked like Charlie Hunnam. He was like this, he was just like, he finds good light wherever he goes, which is beautiful in a pink beanie, angelic singing the, the, the song. And I didn't have the heart to tell him yet. And I, I felt like this was going to be my final sort of Hail Mary. So I, I texted him and I said, may I please exploit this video to anyone necessary in order to get the song in the movie? And he said, you have my full permission. And I sent it to Bruce Springsteen's manager and, you know, a producer on the Born to Run album, this this kind of genius guy named John Landau, who's famously private. And I said, you know, I, this is my last chance, but if this could be any opportunity to show you how much um, we want this song in the movie, please share this with anyone necessary. And we did. And and um, that, that video was what got us the song. So some of the themes in the movie, you've got faded Americana, post-industrial decay, road movie elements, masculinity, there are diners, there's working class desperation and struggle. And Michael, you, you spotted the theme, didn't you? You said something about this, about what it's like, and it reminded you of when we both came to the same conclusion. Well, I said it could have been filmed in Bradford. If you'd, if you'd <laughs> have, you could have, given you've got English actors, you could have just done it there in the first place. It'd have been much easier for you. I'm not sure if we would have gotten the tax break or not. Massachusetts <laughs> tax break. That's what Bradford needs. It needs a tax break for people to film in it. But can you, can you see, Jess, can you see like the similarities with Northern England running through it? Oh my God, of course. I mean, that's, why me and Charlie and Jack are in it. A lot of press that we've done, they hone in a lot on the fact that we're not American. And they're like, you know, how did you get to do this? Like, was it a problem that you weren't American? And we were like, well, we had a dialect coach, but I actually just realized like, we never had any conversations about, you know, specifically that type of person in America. It just was like never a thing, was it? No, I think because of where the three of you guys were from, there was zero learning curve to what this experience was like. And as long as I've been coming to America, I've always felt like there isn't really any difference with a lot of places in America to those places in England. But also Los Angeles reminds me like a lot of Leeds, which sounds mad because no one leaves here. Like, you grow up here and they just really like it and everybody stays here. And it feels, you know, when you think about Los Angeles, I think everybody is like, whoa, what's it like in Hollywood? It's like, 
that is like five minutes of Los Angeles. The rest of it is just like kind of a city, but also a bit like a village or a town. I'm not joking. I'm being serious. Like it has a very small place feel to it and it's very suburban. It, it feels quite similar to Leeds. How do you keep in touch with all the Leeds stuff? Because you are like of Leeds stock, aren't you? Leeds fans. You're not necessarily from the city itself, but it's in your blood is the football or the soccer. Well, my brothers played there at Thorpe Arch. They were in the development teams. Ah. So I, I basically grew up there. So when we were kids, my brothers did the development stuff. My brother Joe was there when he was 16 and then he broke his ankle and it was just like done. I was there all the time, four days a week. We were there in the canteen, like that's where I ate my dinner. I should say at this point, because a lot of people know my brothers, anything that I say in this podcast is not affiliated (laughs) with them. Anything that I say that could be embarrassing you know, I don't want to embarrass them in any way. They've done me really well in my life. So I don't want to embarrass them. So how do you keep in touch with the football side of things then when you're over there? What's it like with like with the time difference and just sort of being away from the whole culture? The time difference has been fine. I mean, there was one game where it was on at five o'clock in the morning, but we just downloaded the Peacock app, you know, shout out to Peacock if you want to hit me up for a sponsorship. Um, <laughs> That's where you watch all of the games here. So we download a Peacock and it's just the same as at home. And we have a group text message of my brothers. So, you know, we experience all the banter around the games. Although they don't ever message when the games are on. They go silent when they're on. I The Peacock app has been incredible. I was in Dallas, Texas on a recce shooting a pilot and watching literally like on a scout like this, watching the Aston Villa thrashing, just like giving direction. Like this is like a new thing for me. I really fell in love with Leeds late, but it caught me hard. It's we- so crazy that you chose Leeds though, you know, like for a while it was going to be Liverpool, obviously, whatever. And then I was like, that's so lame. Like you can't just like start supporting the one that's about to win. But I had to just, you know, be like, whatever you've got to, the team has to find you, you know? And um, now he supports Leeds. And it's a crazy thing to get involved with, though, because there's so much heartache in it, you know, like to just like not grow up in it and just decide to support that team is very admirable. I think it's the same thing as being Jewish. I think you you don't choose it. It chooses you and it's just (laughs) filled with pain and sadness and little jolts of hope in between. If you're you're new to it, though, this is. This has been a good time. You should have been here for the previous 16 years. I know. I missed the wilderness years. So that is, I, I came in the second, the Marcelo's first year. That was when I, and I, and the, what I think the most amazing thing about the Premier League is, which we just don't have in America, is the managers, you know, is the, the personalities of the, of the coaches. And, and so I loved Jurgen Klopp and I love Pep Guardiola and I liked the series on Manchester City on Amazon and, and, um, but it was Marcelo that that was sort of like my my gateway drug in, obviously. My brother's serving in, Mar- in Morrison's. Okay. Weatherby Morrison's, my brother Joshua works there, sees him every single day. He buys a lot of tin tuna. <laughs> Part of the nice <laughs> thing about him is that he sounds like he's got quite a, in a way, quite a miserable existence. Elsewhere. Quite, I'd imagine he just sees oh. the tuna straight out the tin and just goes to bed. <laughs> no, seriously. And like, he lives by a ginnel. Like, 
in Weatherby, opposite the chemist. He lives by Crossley Street School. It's kind of like an old part of Weatherby. And he walks to Thorpe Arch every day. That is real. It's not a myth. Like, he actually does it and just buys a lot of tuna. And my mum and my brother said that, seriously, everybody that wants to talk to him, he has all the time for you. He is a really nice person. We've been scared about him through COVID. People keep getting pictures of him. We're like, just stay, stay a distance. He's quite an old fella. He's getting, he's getting on. Well, you know, sake. Corona was bad in Weatherby. My grandparents got it from the pub. So, like, there was actually like a mini outbreak at some point in Weatherby. I'm just interested, actually, Max. You, you chose the right team in terms of reflecting this movie because it is about the struggle, isn't it? And if you'd gone for Liverpool, they've had it easy. I, I go for even in in American sports, which I now are in my rearview mirror since I, I I've fallen in love with the Premier League and and the way it ran while we were under sort of lockdown here in America and and that was sort of my the, my real opportunity to start to watch every single game be, be obsessed. I, I'll go for like players or stories or I'll find some into it. I, I've never like I grew up in Los Angeles and I stopped liking the Lakers after Shaq left. Liverpool, I like the players a lot. I find them to be a pretty likable group of guys as far as... Yeah, it's not like Manchester United or Chelsea. I like, yeah, I I, now I, 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 it's not like Aston Villa to me or something like that as a, as a novice Leeds fan. I, I find Trent Alexander-Arnold and Henderson and Klopp to be deeply likable, Salah. But um, it, the Amazon series was really helpful for me of, of understanding Leeds. Getting to know Jess was really helpful to me. You know, the first series of the Amazon show annihilated me. Didn't your mom and dad watch it? I've, I've so many people in Los Angeles have, are, are starting to casually support Leeds now because I've made them watch <laughs> that show. And like the fact that Victor Orta is now like a household name in this town is truly insane. But it, it, it's a testament to the, the club. I mean, just to add another layer of um, brilliance on top of that, let's not forget for the benefit of anybody who doesn't know who your dad is, it's the Fonz. It's Henry he Winkler. He Leeds now. He watched Leeds documentary. He could play in, if, if we had to do an American, he could, he's looking a little more and more like Marcelo as he's getting older. <laughs> he's been hanging around this part of the world doing some kids TV, hasn't he? Um, yeah, yeah he filmed in Dewsbury. He has a show there. Well, I never, I never knew. I had the pleasure of finding out what a panto was by actually just attending the panto <laughs> for the first time and seeing my dad as Captain Hook. I, yeah, I thought it was going to be like the West End or something. No one told me that people were going to be pelting my father with candy as he was like. But he, he's he got deep roots in um, he's got deep roots in England and in the North, I guess, because of his show, Hank Zipser, that shoots around there. Yeah, I, I saw, um, I think it was one of the interviews or a, a media piece that said he liked to go fishing at Bolton Abbey on the River Wharf, which is a place I spent years as a kid, you know, like on summer days with my family. There's a... They, they told, when I met them, they were like, have you ever been to Bolton Abbey? I was like... <laughs> Mate, I went there every single weekend when I was a kid, like on the stepping stones at the bridge. Like that's, yeah, I was like, what? And then they said that they went to Betty's in Harrogate and were like, what a great place. I was like, what? Like I couldn't believe I was having this conversation with them. So it's a sport film on the outside is this one. It's about bare knuckle fighting, but there's not actually that much in it. It's more like a a love story between, between two brothers. And we're curious from like a sports point of view, how hard is it to get that stuff accurate? Because I've seen lots of sport films where you kind of go, doesn't look realistic, but I thought you did it really, really well. Because Jack is so good at Yeah, boxing. Jack O'Connell, the pride of Derby, is did all of his own stunts. I mean, he's a he he the the trainers 
you know, who coach, you know, mostly Golden Glove boxers in the Northeast all thought that Jack had the talent to be a professional boxer. He's really, really talented and trained extremely hard. So it makes it much easier when you're shooting the piece because you don't have to cut away to have some stranger's face who's 35 years older with the receding hairline. You know, <laughs> so you, you can shoot Jack and it just makes it so much easier. And everyone who he fights in the movie is a, is a real fighter, is not an actor. I think that was easier. You know, the boxing was always sort of like just kind of supposed to be a way in to it, but really it was supposed to be like a male melodrama about like how these guys express themselves about love isn't it speaking of love i don't know if this is going to make you wince jess or not but um i was just you know doing some digging around on the pair of you uh doing a bit of research saw that you were born in the summer of 1992 uh yeah. when Leeds united were champions uh so you you actually will come on to it in a second but you your birthday this year was the same week that Leeds finished the season and got promoted wasn't it i've calculated that you were conceived in the way <laughs> Of Leeds United's 1-0 victory against Oldham Athletic at the end of October 1991. Tell me how that makes you feel. So I'm only alive because <laughs> of a celebratory... I don't want to say it because it's my parents. <laughs> I was conceived because they were like celebrating the Leeds victory. <laughs> I'm telling you what, it's, it's no coincidence because that is in a series of seven... Uh, it was six victories in seven games. So there was a lot of joy around the city at that time. I absolutely love that. I love that so much. I actually think that I'm going to tell that to people as like to make me sound like more of a legit Leeds fan. Like I'm actually born because of Leeds United. <laughs> it's a bit of a surprise. We've got the video of it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, brilliant. Too much. No, yeah, it was. We've gone too far there. So yeah, tell us about your birthday this year because it was the week that Leeds got promoted. And we saw um, a picture on your Insta of you with a, a Leeds United pinata. Yeah, Legionaria Pinata. I mean, that was it. What did we do we to watched, celebrate? We watched them get promoted here. We watched them get promoted. And, I mean, this was you like... You spoke to your, your grand oh, oh, yeah. Okay, so this is actually going to turn the tone very emotional now, but important and people will be able to relate to this. So my granddad, obsessive leads, grew up in uh, Seacraft, like obsessed of it, was like his entire life, like diehard Leeds fan, but he died last year. So he didn't get to see Leeds go up. So my mum was crying on the day. Like he they just did marching on together at his funeral. Yeah. That was the the song that we played at his funeral. And my mum was like, he didn't get to see them get promoted. And we were like, Oh, but you know, there's like always like your mom or like your grandmother like turns everything super emotional. But yeah, so it was kind of like an emotional day, really, because, you know, we were just thinking about my granddad a lot. But um, and also, you know, it's just kind of like coronavirus is just like a weird one because it's like, when will we actually be able to go and see them play again? My brothers were like, will you buy us a season ticket? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then when the coronavirus carried on, I was like, dodge the bullet there. Like, it would have been a lot of money. <laughs> Every cloud and all that. Every cloud. Yeah. So um, was Jack knocking around then as a Derby fan? That Was there a bit of back and forth with, with Jack as a Derby fan from, obviously, we saw what happened at the end of uh, season one of the Amazon documentary. And then we know that we got a happy ending a year later. Was there a little bit of uh, back and forth over Leeds and Derby? Sometimes, yeah. He's hardcore like Darby like he has a Darby towel that he Look, brings what do you think Jack you've seen Jack in skins and startup and everything yeah 
what you think he's like doesn't disappoint. You know, that is what he's like. He's a really intense fan of football and loves the history behind it and loves Darby in like a pure traveled around with the team to, to watch them play everywhere. He's hardcore. I, he knows my feelings on Frank Lampard and, and now Darby because of <laughs> um, Spygate. But it hasn't gotten in the way of our friendship, thank God. But it's transferred over to Chelsea. I really, I really dislike Chelsea now because of it. You're learning fast. It's good. Yeah, Aston Villa and Chelsea. I, I don't really are are the teams I truly loathe at this point. I just don't like Jamie Vardy. Why? I don't like him. I don't like his face. Like he has, <laughs> like he's got a face. I think he's really arrogant. There's always like this thing where it's like, oh, he's definitely going to score. And when he got sent off in the Leeds game the, and they got the penalty and the commentator was like, oh, Vardy's missed out on a goal here. And it's like, yeah, but why? Like, why are you giving him this narrative all the time? And his wife is um, was horrible to Colleen Rooney. <laughs> <laughs> you stopped just at the right moment there, I think, with regards to that, because it may still be in the English court system. I'm not quite sure. I think it probably is. Yeah, I think yeah. it is. But yeah, I just don't, I don't like the way that he is. And it's not personal. It's just like, I think he's so arrogant. I actually, I have a different take on him because I, I started off not liking him. And then I heard the way um, Schmeichel talked about him on the Peter Crouch podcast. And he actually really seems like a, like a truly idiosyncratic individual, like a truly strange person. And he's so, like, he's such a, in my opinion, he's such a, soccer player in his DNA like his core being is just like a striker who scores and it's not my favorite thing to watch but he really is just like he's like an arrow or something he even like looks like he's like aerodynamic shape like he like points he looks like a coyote yeah (laughs) he's just feral and I just like the thing about him drinking port before port and red bull before games and like smile anyone who's a character I I have time for there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Have you ever been to like a, a UK 
football soccer match, Max. And never in my never in my he's life. He's never even been to the pub and watched the game. I went know? to a game in uh, Germany, a World Cup game in Germany in Nuremberg. It was Holland against someone else, but I played pretty competitively in in high school. And there just there was no way to watch the Premier League in the early two thousands. Here, it just was barely Peacock. on Pe- Peacock. <laughs> Pause for Peacock um, break. But like, it really took Bielsa to, it actually started with Pep. Like I said, it, it, falling in love with like the way Pep coached the players and then Amazon thing that it would brought me to Bielsa because of Amazon. I think there's a lot that directors in particular and the film and TV industry can embrace by watching the way that managers manage football teams. There's not a lot of difference in it, really. I feel the same way. I learned more about directing watching Pep get the most out of his players from that, you know, sort of magical Man City team. Obviously, like, Bielsa won't go on camera, so it's like a different experience when you're watching it. But I do want to get a translator for press for the next uh, run. But um, the way he get, gets the best out of his players, I, I just like, from him and Jurgen, I really learned a lot. And um, I don't know, I just, I find them so charismatic and interesting. And what was Bielsa taught you? What was Bielsa taught both of you? Just like a true, like, humility to the work. Like, it's all about preparation and the work. When, for Jess's first rehearsal on Jungle Land, she had to pick up trash in the uh, in the car park. What? No, I'm just kidding. That's what Bielsa did. <laughs> I have done um, a movie where I had to do that once, though. I just, um, I never really, like, what finished Bielsa's, like, his obsession with just how you play and the result is kind of secondary, but like, it, like that's what you just don't get in American sports. Like I had to get sort of reminded yesterday cause I was really frustrated with the draw and listening to you guys and listening to Jess's brothers talk about, but they got a point and they played really well. And that that has to mean something in American sports. If you lose, you lose and there barely are any draws and that's a failure too. And the actual, the actual importance on how you showed up and how you played. And if you left it all out there has to be enough sometimes. And that's a very Bielsa thing. I think when I hear him talk about results, Derek from Paramount, who's listening in is just like shedding tears right now. Like, Whoa, I want to be a part of this. And, and, and the, my favorite moment I think I've seen like probably since the Sopranos was, was Bielsa and Calvin hugging in, in the end of the, oh, yeah. it, it's just like the best writing. It's like, the way they just like say thank you to each other. And it's like, obviously they both mean thank you different. Like I feel like Bielsa saying thank you for buying into the system and, and for everything you've done. And Calvin saying thank you for turning. Well, me he's actually saying like, thanks for not leaving us and listening to your man. What I learned from Bielsa is that you don't have to be fancy, you know, like this guy is definitely one of the best coaches in the world. So talented constantly changing the way that he's working. He's so admired. And this guy is sat in a bed sit in Weatherby eating tuna out of a can, <laughs> you know? And that, and he walks to work. And that's Driving probably, a golf. Yeah, and that's probably why, well, a golf is actually kind of a fancy car, but that's where we differ. <laughs> um, and this guy is one of the best in the world at his job. And he's not driving around in a BMW. He's not got like four wives. He's not on a private plane. He's just a humble guy that keeps it real, you know? And he's like, great. Thank you for my Costa coffee voucher. I'm wearing an anorak and walking to work in the rain. 
I've driven a shit car and eaten tuna out of a tin, but I think that's that's about all Bales has offered me in terms of similarities. But it is no, a, that's it why is he's good at his job because yeah. he's not in it for the money. He's not in it for the fame. He's doing it because he is so passionate about what his job is. I'm not saying that I want to live in a bed set and eat tuna, but it's a good thing to remember. He also has true like belief in his system. You know, like he's un like. He really like has belief in his in his like values of what he brings to anything. I just I also really just get emotional when I think about the way he believes in Bamford. Oh, you're yeah. a fan of Bamford, aren't you, Jess? I saw we saw your post um, sticking up for him. I'm just sick of people doing that whole class thing and being like making fun of him because he's posh. And it's just like, oh my god, it's such a cliche. Like, let's stop doing that. And I just honestly see such a lot of myself in him because. I think sometimes when I, I look at him and I hope he doesn't listen to this and like thinks that I'm saying anything personal about him, I think he gets nervous and I think he feels under pressure and I think he's one of those people where he can't just turn on his gift when he wants to. Like he is really talented, but he hasn't worked out how to be like, okay, you know, he's not like Jamie Vardy and that's fine. And I really, really relate to that. He gets into his own head, I think, and that's really relatable. Mm. He's the Liza Minnelli of football, some would say. You know? Wow, what a headline. <laughs> you know, like there's, something, so? there's something vulnerable about him. It's a raw talent that he hasn't quite harnessed yet, but it's entertaining in its own way because you never know when he's just going to do it. You know, and when he does, like, it, it's so great, but it's, it's not consistent. But I think that the team needs to help the players feel like stars. You know, I think that they need to hire a publicist or something. And no, I'm being serious. Like, I think that they need to get them feeling like stars and not like players that were have just been put in the Premier League. They need to help them be like you are now a star football player in the Premier League. Millions of people watch you and love you and help them with their online stuff. Give them like, I don't know, have them in, what's it called, GQ or whatever. Who cares? Like make them feel like they are stars. It's interesting that because I know you've spoken out, you're quite an advocate for speaking about anxiety and mental health and stuff like that. And I guess it, it sort of taps back into that, doesn't it? About what somebody's state of mind is when they're under that, that sort of pressure. I mean, how, yeah. how do you square that off? Because you've got what is like 2 million Instagram followers or something like that. And, and they're not all going to be nice. Yeah. I mean, such a different thing. You're dealing with such a different fan base because football fans, I mean, I was in Coronation Street when I was a kid. And I think probably the experience with the public is the same as being in a soap opera when you're a football player because people feel like they know you. They feel like they have the right to really say something and they do. Um, and it's, it's difficult. I don't think I have that same, I don't feel like I have that same thing anymore. Um, I do feel slightly removed from anything like that, but I can imagine that being a football player is just crazy dealing with, things that people are saying, especially if you're a sensitive person, which I feel like Patrick is. I'm going to call him Patrick, seeing as we're talking about something deep. I think he is. I think he really cares what people think about him. And I think he absorbs people's feelings. And he's so young. What is he, like 24, 25? 
He's 27 now, isn't he? I think. Yeah, he's a bit older. Fresh face. Yeah, I think he's 27. You know, we're the same age. Like, this is when you do kind of go through it. So he's going through a life thing and he, he will figure it out, definitely. I feel like there's a, some sort of movie concept there that you and Bamford are the same person. <laughs> oh, like, like the Pantomime movie. I could do it. Have with- you guys seen the, um, the Ken Loach movie, um, Looking for Eric, with Canton yeah. on it? Yes. It's such That's a good it. movie. Me and Patrick could do one of those. It's a Looking really good movie. Looking for Patrick. I love Patrick Bamford. I find I, I find him really hardworking, and, and I feel like he's just been like, one of those like animals that was like kind of like mistreated. Like, so who would didn't know what, what if he was right or left footed Sean Dyche? It was pa- crystal palace. I think wasn't it under oh, yeah. Alan, was it? Alan Pardew? Was it? I can't remember. Let's blame him anyway. I feel like he was like fucking, he just, he hasn't gotten the love that like just the undying love that Bielsa's has given him. It's because like, it's just, to me, it's like so cliche for, for like Northern people to like not like a posh person. And it's just like so annoying because also I feel like some of the Leeds fans that are rude to him probably live in like Oakwood or something. And it's like, oh my God, you live in like a rich area, like shut up. But they just, you know, I don't, it's so annoying. Like just move on. It doesn't mean anything. I'm interested, just going back to the film, actually, a question I meant to ask earlier was about you guys all talking on set. And Max, I think I I saw you saying in in an interview uh, doing the promo for this movie, Saying that there were times when Jess would break into like broad Yorkshire, and she would. I, think the word I don't say in my accent. No, no. You, you start creeping into. I can hear a little LA twang to your voice. Oh, you, no, a few people say that. Like what? Um, I don't know. I, it was an interview I watched. It again. It was the promo for this film, so it would be fairly recent. It was just a, li- a little LA twang just creeping, but you kind of going between Yorkshire weird. and LA. Yeah, but also I haven't lived in Leeds since I was sixteen. I moved to London when I was sixteen. My mum and my brother still live there. So sometimes I'll go back, but people think I'm Irish a lot. That's just Americans. Americans always think English people are Irish. Or, or Australian. Yeah. Really, yeah. <laughs> the Australian one, I'm like, what? No. On, on set, Jack uh, O'Connell and Charlie Hunnam stayed mostly in their, in their um, accents. But Jess, the second you say cut, would go directly into like her Yorkshire accent, which I now that, now that I've known Jess for a while, I can understand, but for a good part of our early times i was really having to try and listen closely. really yeah, you, yeah his dad doesn't understand anything that i'm saying and he's he's been in jewsbury as well i, yeah. don't, he probably I don't think he understood what anyone was saying, saying there <laughs> but the, the word i saw was it was unidentifiable I, I just wonder can you remember jess an occasion where you've been on set maybe i don't know whether it's makeup or something else where you've spoken to someone and they've gone sorry what, what did you say yeah a lot was i also i talk fast I will say a that a lot of people as, as far as like, just like old men, really, you know, like, I, I think like for whatever the, the dialect that, that Jack O'Connell speaks, like Darby, wild whether it's Darby, wild. like he, like, like he's told me, like he's referred to the morning as crack of sparrows before. Like, I, I, <laughs> so like, that's a different, like, I, I'm just like, he really uses, like he uses words that I've never heard before yeah, that are actually really poetic. Yorkshire will do that. I just don't do it. Like people in Barnsley tell the time differently. I've told you this. They don't do half past, they do half to the hour. Have you heard that? Really? Half two. Yeah. People in Barnsley would be like, it's half to three. And you're like, what? They're, they're, they're the rednecks, aren't they? The Barnsley lot. They're the proper rednecks. I mean, Barn- Barnsley. Is, <laughs> is it mainly Barnsley where people call you cock as well as a nice thing? 
<laughs> All right, cock. Oh, like cocker or cock. Yeah, I don't know. I've never been called that there. I don't know if that was just you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> mm, bit of a cell phone. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll think about it. So we are at a bit, a bit of a weird time at the moment in, in the States. And I just wondered, sort of get both of your opinions really on, on the current state. Because, you know, the theme of the film, it's the American dream, isn't it? That underpins it all. And, and where are we with the American dream at the minute? We're, we're talking now between Biden being elected and Trump still barricading himself in the White House. What's it like over there? There's enough insanity going on over here, uh, but it feels extra insane over there. My boxing teacher is the American dream. So... I have a boxing teacher. He was living in his car at the start of the pandemic because he didn't have enough money. And then during coronavirus, everybody wanted to train with him. And now he's about to rent a house. So the American dream is alive and well in the form of Mark Geiger from Texas, my boxing teacher. I'm just happy the international break's over. (laughs) (laughs) Trump is wild. Like, he's just like a crazy guy. This is... It's so crazy that all of this happened. Some of it is kind of funny, though. Like, it is. Like, he's wild, but it it is messed up. But um, what is has been going on? Like, I have no idea. His lawyer with, like, his hairspray sweating down his face. I'm sure this wasn't probably discussed as the film, but the three main characters, which way did they vote, do you think? <laughs> I honestly think Charlie probably bought in to make America great again. Like I feel yeah. like the one that ends up in jail is probably the one that actually thought that like it was going to work for him. Sky and Lion probably just like forgot to vote. There are people that are like, I'm not going to vote. I don't know who to vote for. There were echoes of Alyssa from End of the Fucking World in um, in Sky. I thought really, really good. That kind of simmering intensity. You must enjoy doing these characters then. Yeah, always. I always want to play people where the stakes are really high and where, you know, there are three or four different things at the same time. I don't want to play like a straightforward character. It's just not me. You know, I think the main thing that Sky and Alyssa had in common is when you first meet them, you know, you're introduced to them as just like girls, like typical, just like a girl. And then by the end of it, they're completely running the situation. That's familiar to me. I'm married. Yeah. <laughs> My wife is yeah, very much in charge. Very much in charge. No, it's, it's a really, really good movie. And we, I, I think we were really pleased that um, Paramount got in touch so that we could have a, a dig around in it. It was a lot of fun to watch. And uh, a lot of it sort of, um, I think, rang true to us. Yeah, in, in northern towns. Because you're in Pontefract, aren't you? Which is a, a whole other place um, that you need to experience, Max. When, when you finally get over here, and we start the discussions around season three of um, the Amazon documentary, and you're obviously the guy who's in charge of this one now. Then what we'll have to do on a full scouting tour. I really want to meet Phil Hay. Will you give him my love? <laughs> <laughs> and if you want a good accent, we'll take you to Hull as well, because that's something else entirely over yeah, there. The culture capital of England. Hull. Is it? It was for a bit. Then they gave him a year, didn't they? Then they took it all away. Is that's a little bit like where every child at school gets a certificate? I think, isn't it? There's a lot of really good actors from Hull. I'm being serious. A lot of people in the industry are from Hull. I don't know why. I've got a friend that's a costume designer, Susie from Hull. My friend Laura is from Hull. There's a lot of really good people from Yorkshire. But you've all left. I mean, what are you going to do? Like, you can't just like play the playhouse for the rest of your life, can you? Or like, I don't know, or the Alhambra Theatre. Yorkshire TV, come on, (laughs) come back. It went. It went. There's no Yorkshire TV anymore. Do you remember when Countdown was filmed there? 
I used to work there. So I was in the, I was in the building for a time when, when Countdown was there. I hope that one day there's some street art of you in the towns. Oh, uh, like I there would is with love Mar- that. Marcelo yeah, and Yeah, and in, in Swansea, they have the, the Catherine Zeta-Jones and the Richard Burton one. I, I really want one in Leeds. But I don't know if that's ever going to happen for me, really. Um, <laughs> you can, oh, yeah. I mean, you could commission it yourself. It's a bit big-headed, yeah. but... <laughs> You just pay someone an act surprise. That would be devastating. <laughs> no, that is just like not cool. Can I ask you guys one question? What happened with Rock Nation? Did they, why did they start taking an interest in in Leeds? I just saw the spot yesterday for the first time. Good question, Michael. <laughs> there's two. Um, there's two cool guys. <laughs> yeah. no, I, I don't think know. It's just Premier League, isn't it? And it is, yeah, it's just it's the, it's the stuff to promote it. Well, actually, it's it's a bit of Hollywood, isn't it? It's it's that kind of profile and, and raising the profile of of Leeds around the world. And I think one of the things that we haven't necessarily had a handle on over here is the the power and the reach of the Amazon documentary and what that's done in terms of putting people in touch with Leeds as a club. And I think it's probably been more far reaching than we realised. And that's probably Rock Nation is probably an extension of that. And we've got a slight outside the status as well still because we've been out of the Premier League for so long I guess from promotional point of view we can kind of even though we're historically a big club anyone coming to football in the last 10 years won't necessarily realise that so there's the, there's kind of I think there's enough there for it to be promotable to a new audience so I, I don't know we'll see we don't really, they've not really explained it ever I appreciate that they chose Ailing for the jog I just honestly I'm just looking forward to Rihanna's gig at Ellen Road next summer that's all I'm looking forward to she's playing Ellen Road well, we hope so. If Rock Nation, is, is, is this not a two-way thing? Oh, right. Yeah, it's got to be. That would be so funny. <laughs> Maybe they could send Ailing out. He could be the warm-up, the hype man, something like that. Alvin's Nan. <laughs> yes, yeah, she would. She would get an audience. I was just going to say, listen, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, to catch up with you and keep flying the Yorkshire flag over in the United States, Jess. And, uh, and Max, thanks for coming on. Come over here soon and we'll take you to an away match. I really, really, really want to do it. Um, um, thank you, guys. I'm such a, I'm such a fan of your guys' podcast. Yeah, this has been probably the best interview of my career, really. So thank you. Genuinely. <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, like really interesting questions, like such a great time. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. And you can always take away the facts about the Oldham conception in October 1991. That's with you forever now. Incredible. No, I actually really like it because my parents are divorced. So, like, I'm, you know, it's such a nice thing, really. So now they've had sex with some more people. Brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) It's good to think about as well. (laughs) On which note, guys, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. you. The Square Ball Podcast. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started.